Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hi, and welcome back to the show. On today's show, I'm going to be speaking with David Wex, who is one of the partners, along with Mark Reeve, of Urban Capital. And Urban Capital are the developers behind River City 3. Before we get to that interview, I just wanted to give a shout out to a guy by the name of Michael Pignatelli. Michael left me a very nice little review on Twitter. He said, I have to say I'm really enjoying Andrew LaFleur's podcast on Toronto condo investing. Search the True Condos podcast on iTunes. So Michael, thank you very much for that great review. And if you are listening to the show right now and you would like to leave a review, I would really appreciate it. You can just head on over to iTunes and leave a review there. Or you can do like Michael. You can hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, social media, and let me know what you think of the show. So thank you very much, Michael. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening to the show, supporting it. Um, I should also uh, say that we've just passed a pretty good milestone. We hit over 20,000 downloads for the podcast so far. So that's a pretty good accomplishment for this podcast, I think. And I'm looking forward to hitting 30,000. So thank you very much again for supporting the show. So let's get to the interview with David Wax. Um, Once again, David is a partner at Urban Capital. And we're going to be talking about uh, his experience. We're going to be talking about River City 3. And River City 3 is certainly one of the most unique condo buildings in the city or anywhere. You really have to see the design if you haven't uh, seen the renderings and what this building is all about. It's just a breathtaking building that's really unlike anything else in the city. And I kind of found David actually to be, uh, in some senses, unlike any other developer in the city. Uh, He's a very honest and refreshing approach to the business and the industry. And he's certainly very passionate about design, forward thinking, um, pushing the envelope, blazing a trail. Uh, they sort of, you know, sound like cliches, but if you look at uh, Urban Capital's, um, uh, you know, resume, CV, then then you can certainly see that it is the case. They've really got some uh, very groundbreaking buildings right from the very first building they ever built, which we talk about in the interview. For all the show notes on this episode and links to everything we're talking about, including more information on River City 3 and how you can get the investors package for that project. Just head on over to truecondos.com slash rc3 and we'll be sure to get you that information. Just drop your name and information into, sorry, name and email into the form there and we'll get you all the details on River City 3 if you're interested in learning more about this project. So without further ado, here is my interview with David Wex. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Great. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show David Wex. David is the partner at Urban Capital. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, David, why don't you start just introducing yourself to the audience and just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate and condo development? Um, well, I, I, it's probably 15 to 20 years uh, that I started this. I, I didn't start with any sort of background in it. I, um, 
back in the 90s when there's really nothing going on, uh, I sort of left my job and wanted to do this. So for a couple of years, I didn't do very much. And then um, I fell upon someone who knew the, um, uh, the Dundee people. And uh, they supported us in a little project called Camden Lofts. Do you know Camden Lofts? Yep. 29 Camden Street. So yep. that, was, that was a really special uh, building, still probably one of my favorites, done at a time when it wasn't even possible to do residential down in the King Spadina area. So we got special city approval to do a residential building in what was strictly a commercial or industrial area. Right. Kind of the harbinger of the King Spadina. I think they knew the, King, the King's thing back then was going to happen. Barbara Hall was a big supporter of it. So I did a little project called uh, Camden Lofts, 48 units, took about two years to sell at 195 bucks a foot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and that was the first one. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, started from there. So what were you doing before then? You said you left a job. I was a lawyer. You were a lawyer? Oh, yeah, okay. I usually admit okay. that. <laughs> in uh, in real estate? No, or com- no, no, in a big firm. I was a... Like I corporate a, kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, big uh, firm. I was the one I worked there for a year. Okay. I basically photocopied. Okay. So 29 Camden was your first project. What year was that that you started? 96. That? 96. And so uh, one of the things you have a reputation for is sort of being a trailblazer, going to areas before anybody else is there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned King and Spadina, an industrial sort of warehousey sort of area, wasteland. Total wasteland. Hard to imagine today. Yeah. But so I'm always curious. I always like to ask... Um, what did people say to you at the time when you told them, look, I think I'm going to do a condo at King and Spadina? Um, well, I didn't, first of all, <laughs> back then, I didn't really know many people, so no one really said anything. Okay. Um, uh, it was an experiment. I mean, we bought that site for almost nothing. Uh, in fact, probably had we just held it and then sold it two years later, the land, we would have done very, very well. In the end, Camden didn't make any money because, you know, it was way ahead of its time. But that got us going. Um, there were a few um, trailblazers, whatever, you know, forward-thinking devel- people yeah. uh, who bought into the building. I remember I met all of them back, and, you know, we probably took, it took as I said, two years to convince people. Uh, Ciccone mm-hmm. Simone did the interiors. Core was the first project I worked on with them. It was really wow. out there. Uh, it was all concrete. Um, the ad campaign was the convergence of concrete and cool. No one got it. <laughs> the, it was like uh, things like uh, fashion. The tagline was fashion crimes at your doorstep. Do you remember fashion crimes? The, the woman's uh, cool. I don't school. know. Maybe it was Very before cool my time. Yeah, it's yeah. Still, I think it's still around. Anyway, the, the ad yeah. campaign was so downtown centric. And right. It, it, the launch was really tough. We were really out there. This was 96. 96. Like, again, today it's like. Yeah. It yeah. would be, you know. Pat. Regular no stuff. problem, but '96 King and Spadina was on nobody's no, it radar. Was dusty, it was yeah. um, it was derelict. It, there was no one around, and people walked along Queen Street, but they tended to end at Spadina. And if they were walking, they were walking east west. No one ever walked south along Spadina. Right. Uh, and so then after that, uh, that was at the same time that twenty that the Howard Cohen was doing Twenty Niagara. Okay. Yeah. It was really the same time. So those were the two first projects down there. We were really King Spadina. He was a little more King and Bathurst. Yes. Uh, and when, once that got going, probably in the early 2000s, then Context did um, uh, District Lofts. Right. And then it really started to... But, but Camden, we followed Camden with another project, uh, Charlotte Lofts. Uh, right, yeah, I was, was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, that was also an early one. That was 2001. Yep. And then uh, those were all... That was 60-some-odd units. And at the time, 
we also, I'm from Ottawa, so we went to Ottawa and we did a 400-unit building there. Oh, and wow. That was in three phases. That was, that was insane. So when we started Camden, people used to say, you know, oh, it's not New York. Uh, it's not going to work here, that kind of urban living, which was wrong. And then uh, when we went to Ottawa, people said, you know, it's not, gonna, it's not like Toronto, which was not true because people bought into that concept as well. And then uh, we went to Montreal uh, and recently been going to other cities like Halifax and Winnipeg that mm-hmm. haven't had any of this kind of development. Yes. Always people say, you know, uh, this not is here. not going to work here. I've just been <laughs> looking at some U.S. cities where people say it's not going to work there. And I've said, you know what, I've heard that before. So, so I think that uh, uh, you're right. Same thing with River City. River City was a total wasteland. I often say that that whole area was outside the consciousness of Torontonians because mm-hmm. you never really knew where it was. Yeah. It was all boarded up and there's no streets that ran through it. Yes. Unless maybe you were buying a BMW from, you know, and they took you into that area. So all these sites to a large degree have been outside the comfort zone initially and have proven to be pretty, pretty good. So um, it begs the question then, what, how do you evaluate a site? How do you, what do you look for today? Like when you look, when you, let's talk about River City, jump right into that. When you were looking at that site, like what did you see? What was your vision that attracted you to, to it when, again, it was another yeah. Well, maybe describe it for how it was when you first came upon it so uh, people it can get a picture of it. Total, total wasteland. Total wasteland. But, um, you know, it was very interesting because it was extremely urban. It was uh, very hard. It had a lot of infrastructure running through it. So it was cool. Uh, and the architecture firm I wanted to do this with could understand that. So Did you, so you, that's, that's, you already had the architecture firm in no, mind no. before? Um, Hand? Yeah, it was concurrent. So this site okay. came up. I thought it was, I remember telling Waterfront, this, is, this site was the first residential site released by Waterfront Toronto. And there's a whole history of why Waterfront Toronto was involved, but, but regardless, they went first with this site. I remember telling them, I thought that was a bit odd. Uh, but nevertheless, they did. And it was already somewhat connected to the city where some of their other sites were not. Right. So um, that site uh, was a tough site. And so I knew a couple of things. I knew that um, not a lot of developers would understand it or really want to embrace it. Uh, but I, I liked the hardness of it. And um, to me, uh, this is a bit esoteric, but there is uh, a development or a big parkland development in Germany. I can't, it's called, I can't even remember the name, but um, it was the old Thyssen uh, steel works that they turned into this huge public park. Okay. Huge old industrial what site. What city? It's Duisburg. Uh, okay. D-U-I-S-B-U-R-G. Uh, and they basically took an old um, steel plant and turned it into one of the most beautiful um, uh, parklands by combining the harsh industrial with the beautiful uh, landscaping. Mm. And I used that when I did our application to Waterfront Toronto. I said, this could be beautiful if done properly. Yeah. And the, so that whole idea of embracing the, the infrastructure, embracing the location and really loving it, right. I think was a big, together with Sosé Parat, who have a very distinct style, uh, kind of won the day. Right. Um, maybe talk about Sosé and Parat because they, as far as I understand, they don't really do residential architecture. Well, they do now. So they do now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because they. Hey, we're winning a lot of awards here. Maybe yeah. we should do more of this. They, they do now. But uh, for many architects, residential is the lowest form of architecture. 
Mm. Right? They start with, you know, they want to do museums. Uh, they want to do public buildings. Then they want to do um, commercial They want to build monuments. And, yeah. And that sort of thing, yeah. And certainly, and, and also budgets. Resident, budgets for residential are usually not that, that great. Right. So um, uh, we, we basically, uh, for them, they'd never done residential. They'd done some public, some university residences, but never done, you know, uh, condo or multifamily residential. So, and they're very particular and they have very, they're not a big, they don't have a big uh, portfolio of work, but what they've done is very noteworthy. So to come and bring them to a market like Toronto where there's so much mm -hmm. going on and it's so competitive and cost sensitive, uh, they, were, they were worried about it because they didn't want to have their work diluted or they didn't want to put their name on a project that would not get. So, it's, so bringing them here, first of all, meant that I was going to get a very different looking building, yeah. which is what <coughs> excuse me, we thought we would need for sure for this location. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it was a risk for them and a risk for me because they'd never done it. Mm -hmm. Big learning curve. And for them, a risk that a developer they didn't really know could debase their uh, portfolio or their, their reputation. Right. So, but, but by and large, it's been, it's been difficult all around to, to uh, use their design with the residential trades that we're so used to here in Toronto. But I think we've succeeded to a large degree because the buildings look great and I think yeah. the architects are happy. Yeah. And even the trades are happy. Even the trades, huh? Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a miracle. Um, was the, cause the way the three buildings obviously play off each other and interact with the black and the white, was that, was the vision for the three buildings um, set out right from the beginning or did it evolve like yeah. did you hire them to do all three buildings yeah, yeah or the answer you... is yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it evolved and it was set out at the beginning okay so um yes we hired them to do all the absolutely it's uh it's an there's also a fourth phase yes interestingly which was the fourth phase always in the in the plan or was that an addition later it was so, always in the plan just okay. never developed okay it, it, it the uh, the assembly or the ensemble is the three buildings uh, for sure, they evolved, but if you but if you look at the original drawings mm -hmm. or original original concept, it's very much executing that over the years. Right, right. Um, well, let's let's talk about the design of the building itself. Like, uh, what? I mean, it's you know the picture speaks for itself. But what do you love about it? What are you most proud of? What What are you most excited about the building, River City Three? You know, to see it completed. Well, I think that like River City Three is definitely, uh, from a design point of view, it's it's the most striking, in the sense of it. It's, it's from a first blush, it's the thing that looks will be the most noticeable or no notable. I always say that like in three years when that building is done, or two three years, every car commercial will be in front of that building right on the ramps because right. it's just so yeah. striking. So that yeah, that image. Yeah. Uh, but I think the whole <laughs> thing for me. The, the beauty of the, the importance of, of, of executing an Essen Associate Parade building is in the details. You really screw it up. You can really screw it up if you don't, folk, if you don't get the details right. Everything has to, to work perfectly, and um, all of their, their, it's very linear, very clean. So any, any, any tolerances are, have to be kept to extreme minimum. So 
you follow a line around, a reveal line around River City Phase 1 or 2, all the way around the building, like they have to match up at the end. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the biggest uh, success of that project is having kept the whole group together, kept the architects and, and the contractors on side together without them killing each other yeah. uh, and delivering <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. uh, I think it's been, it's been the toughest building in terms of construction for us, in terms of executing the design. Uh, so what I'm most proud about is I think the fact that we delivered it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, how do you feel about how River City One now is completed and finished building? It's 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 registered and occupied and yep. everything. River City Two is starting occupancies very soon. Yeah, next week. Um, how do you feel about the progress so far, particularly River City One, the finished building? Um, how do you feel about it? So River City One, I feel good about now. It was not a good delivery. Um, we are basically our kitchen manufacturer went bust mm. probably two months before the first occupancy. Okay. So it really set us back on our heels. Uh, we had to find someone else. So I'd say um, we've spent the past year digging ourselves out of a little hole in the delivery of that building. I think now people are happy. We've, we've spent $1.2 million uh, since delivering that building on just customer service. Uh, we've basically done what we can because the original, the original delivery was not great. Mm -hmm. Now... Um, Coupled with the fact that Waterfront Toronto did not finish the public realm around the building. And that, you know, is... Right. That's always, in every building, especially in, you know, a project like this where there's a big... Multi-phase. Yeah. The, every developer I talk to, it's, we did our part, yeah. the city, you know, the city doesn't do their part, and then it, it kind of reflects back on the developer as if, as if you had somehow screwed up, but... Three government agencies, Infrastructure Ontario, Waterfront Toronto, and the City of Toronto... There were areas where within a hundred feet, square feet, three government agencies had a responsibility. This, this walkway over here is done by the city, but this, this landscape right next to it is done by the province and to get them coordinated. Wow. So yeah. our purchasers uh, really for a year uh, had unfinished and still today have areas of unfinished public realm that we just cannot get the government and whichever, you know, whichever level of government. So that combined, so River City One was a tough delivery for us. Plus, you know, it's hard, to, very hard to execute the strategy that the architects want. Mm -hmm. uh, so other than that, I think right now it speaks for itself. Yeah. We get so many kudos for that building. People are happy. People love it. People are buying in phase three because of one and two. Yes. Phase yeah. two is going to, is turning out very well. We had a really d difficult time in that project with the windows because they're very complex the way they're fitted, mm -hmm. the way they're designed. There are multiple, multiple um, processes to get them before they come to the site, mm -hmm. involving Toronto. The, a piece of glass starts in Toronto, goes to the U.S., then goes to St. Catharines, and then each has a different process in it. Wow. Gets to our site, and then this winter's been a tough one, mm -hmm. right, because of the yeah, cold. Absolutely. But that being said, um, people are starting to move in. The units are look great. The building, all the amenities will be done. All the, lo the lobby will be finished. It's going to look really good. So I'm happy with how phase two is coming together. Great. Um, talking about taking a step back and looking at the condo market overall, like a lot of people are, you know, you always hear the same old things. Yep. There's, there's a condo bubble, too many condos. Yeah. We're, we're, we're overbuilding this yeah. sort of a thing. Yeah. What's your take on no that? Idea. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. I have not ever heard that answer. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. How, how are you going to know? 
So it's true that for, um, I mean, for 10 years now, people have been betting against the condo market and those who bet against it haven't done well. But you know what they say on those charts, right? Or whatever, those don't use the past as the future. I, I don't know. All I can do is we can build good stuff. Uh, we can, you know, basically make sure our purchases are happy. Uh, and uh, and I, I don't, I, I can't forecast what's going to happen in the condo market. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. How do you how do you compare Toronto? You're active in a lot of other markets now. How does Toronto compare to the rest of Canada, the other markets you're in? Well, I, Toronto's like the uh, what's the Leviathan? Was that the word? Like it's like it's massive. Yes, it's massive. It's got so much so much forward mm-hmm. momentum. Uh, we make you know uh, we make ten sales in Toronto. You know, I get a report at the end of the. I make one sale in Winnipeg, and I get a call immediately. Right. Right. These markets are very different. Toronto is a deep, sophisticated, competitive, active market, huge. And then Ottawa, for example, right now, where we've been probably one of the biggest developers and we've been there for 10 years, it's kind of, it's tough. You know, it's, it's overs- it got oversupplied easily hmm. because it's a city of 800,000 people and this has, you know, 4 million. Uh, other markets I've been in, Montreal, Montreal is totally, you know, it's not surprising, over overbuilt right now. Uh, other smaller markets I've been, we've been in, Winnipeg and Halifax, are small markets. We're the only player in town, though. Right. So being the only player in town is great in a small market. I've been looking at some U.S. markets now where they're just taking off and they're starting out, and we, we have a huge competitive advantage in those markets because we come from such a competitive market. Right. So I think that uh, I think every market's a little bit different. There's a huge investor component. River City is not a big investor building per se. Uh, there's some of our other projects like Smart House uh, was a was a investor folk, investor weighted uh, project. Yeah. Uh, but uh, River City not incredibly. Uh, other, other cities don't have this investor thing going on. So you sell really to end users. So it's, it's a much slower mm-hmm. process. How do you see Toronto evolving then over the next few years to come and what like what uh where what direction do you want to take strategically as a company well we toronto's our base i'm happy with like if we tweaked our weighting we should be 50 percent or our 50 percent of our of our of our work should be in toronto it's it's where we're based it's the biggest market it's Mm -hmm. we just uh also like to diversify and be part of other markets toronto you know you can pioneer in Toronto. There's areas of pioneering that are going to come to Toronto. Uh, inner suburbs, for example, mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot more of. But it's very hard to make a statement in Toronto because there's so many people here making statements. Yes. Right? <laughs> so it's, it, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to go to Chicago. Not Chicago. every project can be a River City 3. No. <laughs> I would like every one of my projects to be a River City, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, Smart House, take Smart House, for example. That pioneered in a different way. Mm-hmm. Architecture, it's a very nice little building. But where, how it uh, pioneered was its product. Its product right. on the inside very of the building, different. Yeah. yeah. And and, and 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 embracing smallness, right? I don't think I've seen a, a project in the last two, three years get more press, more media, more interviews by you. <laughs> Unbelievable. Than, the, than Smart House. Unbelievable. It's yeah. still, even it's still, a, a yeah. year, how long has it been? It's a year, a year or two since? Yeah. You're, 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 you're still in, probably getting calls every week. Yeah, that and the thing we did for IDS, Cubitat, uh, uh, it gets a lot of press. 
huge amount of press um, because we embrace something that normally you try not to embrace, and because there's so many things about that. River City's also got a lot of a lot of press. Um, they're easy, they're relatively there's something to talk about in these in these mm -hmm. projects. Mm -hmm. So I would say that over I would there are more sites that we're looking at. Uh, we will continue to do a lot in this city, but it's not the only city we're we're in. Mm -hmm. If you could change one thing about the condo market or the condo industry, if you had a magic wand and you could just make one thing hmm. change instantly, hmm. what would it be and why? Uh, if I could change one thing, wow, that's I wish you should ask me that question ahead of time. <laughs> what? Uh, I would say about the condo industry, I would say about the process of, uh, I would change the way we do approvals. Okay. I, I, I hate the way we do approvals in this market because it's a it's very very lawyer based. It's very litigation lawyer combative. Based. It's combative. It's random. It's uh, it's. I don't believe it's driven by the right things, which is planning, design. It's driven by density rights arguments over. It, it, it's it's all a litigious and conf and and. and um, lawyered base right way of doing things, which is insane. We're building uh, a city on the basis of how how good your lawyer is at making the case for more density, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not the way we should be doing things. Who can win the argument best? Yeah, or, or who has whatever, the yeah. most power? Who has you know? And then um, we we need the OMB in a certain way because the city itself, in a politically driven thing doesn't necessarily make the best planning decisions. But if we had, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a real expert on this, but uh, other cities like Vancouver, mm -hmm. where, it's a, where it's a board that's made up of, of professionals or something like that. Montreal was awesome. Montreal was, we went to Montreal, really? we, had a, we, had a pros, we had a proposed building, a tower in this area. They're like, we don't do towers here. It's like, and what process do we have to change that? There is no process to change that. You must build a 10-story building. It must look like this makes it very easy to it's more black and white black you and white. know what you're getting into as the city a has a developer. consistent look you know how to bid for land because exactly. you know what you're going to get on the back end yeah right now basically to buy a piece of property in toronto you need to put the most amount of money per square foot times the most density possibly avail imaginable that you're going to get through an acrimonious process and it may or may not work out. In the may end. or may not work out. So if Very I could risky. change anything about how we build buildings here, it would be that. And I, I you know, I'm, that's not a popular. I, I sat in a meeting with Jennifer Keys, Matt, and a bunch of developers, and and I, I don't think I was popular because I was like, I, I don't like the OMB. I don't like the process. I would like it to be this is the process. We we've been screwed because Camden Lofts. The first project I did complied with the King Spadina ruling. The only building that ever did that. Right. <laughs> the only one before or since. <laughs> exactly. Well, there was nothing before. Yeah. It was the first one that came out, and then immediately it got thrown out. I mean, yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, somebody always has to break that door through because it yeah. was you. Yeah. But then I built that building, and then, you know, yeah. the Morgan came, uh, and it was massively yeah. bigger. Just completely destroyed yeah. any densities that were yeah any set. limits yeah you know and, and then boom so i would say that uh, that would be my my if i could change something it's mm -hmm. the way we we get things approved in this city now one last question i know that everything you do and, and talking to you and getting to know you everything you do is driven you know the product that you're building is, is not really 
driven for the investor. It's more driven for the person who's actually going to end up living in the unit in the space and, and going to design and going to um, quality and service. But uh, not to put you in a tough position, but why should an investor, in your opinion, purchase a unit at River City? Uh, <laughs> well, as I said, I'm not really a sales guy. Uh, but, um, you know, I... I would just say that. But why should anyone buy a River City? Perhaps is maybe a. I think a you're question. buying. Look, you're buying into uh, a certain design, uh, a design credo, and certain. You're going to be buying in a building that's going to stand out. That's going to be unique in the marketplace. Uh, I hope our purchasers are happy with the quality we deliver. We strive for it. Sometimes we don't live up to what we hope, uh, but. That's certainly all we can promise. If we don't initially, we will do what we can to make sure we do ultimately. Um, you're going to get uh, a, you know, a developer who is concerned about the legacy, uh, the design, the long-term viability or value of that proposition. I'm constantly surprised by how uh, people uh, don't really look at developers when they buy right. condominiums. They look at right. location, price, yeah. stuff like that. It's the biggest investment. So when somebody's looking at you, what, what do you want them to see? Well, I'd like them to see the work that we've done. Uh, I'd like them to see, to know that we're going to deliver what we what we say, and I'd like them to know that at least uh, our product is going to stand out in the marketplace. Great, great. If people want to get a hold of you or reach you or, or find out more about Urban Capital and what you guys do, what's the best way to, to uh, do that? You could send, uh, you could send us an email. <laughs> uh, you can send me an email. It's uh, wex, W-E-X, at urbancapital.ca. Great. Uh, it's probably the best way. Okay. You can go on to urbancapital.ca, and uh, we get a lot of people who link to us through our website and you know, under contact, and, that's, and that will get to me event. That will get to me Great. if you want to reach me. Okay. Cool. David, thank you very much for your time today. Pleasure. I really appreciate it. Great. Okay, there you have it. That was my interview with David Wex, once again, partner along with Mark Reeve, uh, they are Urban Capital. So thank you very much for listening to this show. For all the show notes on this episode, including links to get the full investors package for River City 3, just head on over to truecondos.com slash rc3. And there you can find all the information on this episode. Okay, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.